Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, be sure to subscribe to the show to ensure that you get a brand new episode delivered directly to you every single Tuesday. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to issue a warning. Today's episode deals with sexual assault and could be a difficult episode for some listeners of the show. I sat down with Megan Reith Miller, who was recently featured on CBS, talking about her experience with sexual assault in the Peace Corps. We talk about her experience, but not only the difficult parts, but the good that she saw in Peace Corps, how she wanted to serve as a volunteer since she was a young child, and what she would like to see change in Peace Corps. Megan is raw and open, and I thank her for giving me the opportunity to help tell her story. Without further ado, here is Megan Reith Miller on episode 31 of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Megan Reith Miller, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Megan, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, you've invited me in your home to to talk about your Peace Corps experience. Uh, I reached out to you, which is not uh, something that I've often done with these Peace Corps stories. It tends to be uh, people hear about me via social media, or they they find, you know, just searching for podcasts, they throw in Peace Corps, they see it's like, oh, I was a volunteer, I want to tell my story. Uh, But your story in particular, once I I heard of it, and then saw a, a mutual friend repost something that you had posted, and I reached out to you. Uh, for interest of telling your story because I feel it's one that needs to be told. So just start off by letting everybody know who is Megan. Uh, Where did you serve in Peace Corps? What were you doing? Uh, What type of volunteer? And anything else we need to know as backstory before we get into uh, really into the interview. Wonderful. Uh, Yeah, so again, my name is Megan Reith Miller. I was a Peace Corps education volunteer in Uganda, from November 2015 to September 2016. Uh, In Uganda, the way the education uh, sector works is you're either at a primary teacher's college or at a primary school. Um, In my case, I was in both. Uh, First at a primary teacher's college, and then I was later transitioned to a primary school. There I focused on literacy, so I worked with P2, P3, and P4 pupils uh, on their basic English literacy skills. And some of my alternative projects outside of school, um, I had a big focus on malaria, 
uh, rumps, which in the non-peace girl world is uh, reusable menstrual pads uh, and the workshops that went along with that. Uh, I also did grassroots soccer, uh, which uses uh, soccer to teach HIV AIDS prevention to students in a little bit more of a less formal and fun way. And just a lot of various other projects um, I'm sure I'll talk about later, but uh, I had an experience at youth technical training, uh, which was a wonderful opportunity to get to know uh individuals from across Uganda and all different regions and all different sectors. Uh, so I was pretty involved in uh, Peace Corps Uganda, tried to do a little bit with the office, but then also did a lot of things just on my own at my local school. Mm-hmm. And did you pick Uganda or was or did you apply when we were still, mm-hmm. you know, sort of uh, selected for where to go? Yeah, so I did choose uh, Uganda. So I was actually... Uh, in college, a Peace Corps ambassador, which mm. is um, just pretty much Peace Corps' internship program for college students. Uh, you help in the recruitment process. And so I kind of knew all the little like tips and tricks uh, for getting in. And I knew that Uganda was a featured country, which means that they're, for anyone who wants to apply, that means that they're in desperate need of applicants uh, for that country. And so looked at Uganda, um, looked at, you know, the responsibilities, things that the volunteers do there, uh, thought it fit my interest. And so I applied uh, to Uganda. So yeah, Uganda was my first choice of country. Being a Peace Corps ambassador, Peace Corps was something you wanted to do for, for a while. It was a very well thought out. It wasn't sort of these things of, well, I've finished undergrad. Let's explore Peace Corps. Peace Corps was sort of on your mind for a while. Yes, it actually went way beyond uh, just a college experience. I wanted to do Peace Corps probably since kindergarten or first grade. Wow. Um, I had a pen pal uh, way back then who was a Peace Corps volunteer in Kenya. And so I kind of always grew up communicating with her for her two years. Um, And that's something I always said I wanted to do, but um, especially when you're younger, you know, I wanted to be a doctor, dentist, Olympic athlete. Um, so those, all those things kind of, uh, went to the wayside at a certain point, but Peace Corps, uh, kind of stuck with me. And as, especially, um, as I was choosing my major of international studies, still really wanted to focus on Peace Corps. And then, uh, during college, when I was able to do that Peace Corps internship, it really just revitalized uh, my commitment to doing it um, so that the minute my senior year that I realized like I could start applying that like October 1st deadline or whatever, I sent in my application right then and there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I always ask people is to share, you know, a, a favorite memory of your Peace Corps experience. And you don't have to limit yourself to just one. I know mm-hmm. I know it can sometimes be be difficult, but do you have any one of those stories that you like to tell that hi- highlights, you know, one of the better moments or the mm-hmm. better cultural experiences or exchanges or connecting with someone in your community? Yeah, um, I think for me, one of the best experiences was that youth technical training. And what it was, was an opportunity to get prominent Ugandan leaders in their community. Usually they were younger in the 20 to 30 uh, age range. And bring them to regional boot camps, I would guess, um, where they would 
speak to a team of Ugandans and Peace Corps volunteers uh, about different initiatives such as uh, gender equality, healthy living, um, entrepreneurship. And in that experience, um, I was just able to see a lot of bonds between Peace Corps volunteers and their schools and also between Ugandan leaders and the Ugandan students, which I think is essential. Um, and as for me, I was kind of just uh, dipping in on supporting different teams that at the last minute their volunteer had to drop out for uh, whatever reason, an illness, um, had to go back to the United States for various reasons. Um, and this one in particular uh, team there was a teacher who was blind and just working with him and how influential he was to his students and how dedicated he was to his students and how willing they were to help him mm -hmm. uh, go through this boot camp and really gain everything that we were trying to offer to them was an absolutely fantastic experience to be a part of. And I think it's one of those things where I didn't do anything. Uh, I was not a part of it at all, but I got to witness it. And I think that's um, a lot of things in my Peace Corps experiences. I would like to say I had, uh, I was, you know, the one who, uh, you know, spurred that change. But in reality, it was probably someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was able to at least witness it. And I think that's just as magical. Mm-hmm. And what was your community like? Were you living in a, a small village, a, a larger community? And what was your day-to-day? -day? You know, were, Did you teach every single day going back and forth to the school? Just give us a better sense of what your life was like in mm -hmm. Peace Corps. Uh, so my day-to-day -day is um, going to be a little bit more complicated uh, just because at first I was at the primary teacher's college uh, where I was teaching about one class a day for about an hour and a half. Um, and then the rest of the time just really preparing uh, for different um, events that I was planning on doing in the future. Um, but that being said, I was only at the primary teacher's college for a few weeks uh, before I was transitioned out. Um, and then my second, I will put it into like my second part of Peace Corps service was actually uh, doing those youth technical training camps, and then also at the Peace Corps headquarters, uh, the office in Kampala was probably my second part. So that was training from like 7 a.m. till 8 p.m. at night. So oh, those wow. were some long weeks, but it was, again, I wasn't always doing something. It was a lot of times just witnessing um, various Ugandans um, talk about uh, things that were important for these students to know. Um, and just kind of facilitating that. And then my third part was actually when I was at the primary school. And that's where you would have the more typical uh, Peace Corps uh, experience where I woke up, went to classes, um, taught two to three classes per day, had my either my library time or my girls' empowerment time after school. Um, and then kind of just went home, started preparing for the next day. So I taught 
four four days a week at the primary school, Monday through Thursday. And Friday was pretty much my laundry day. And mm-hmm. then just like uh, doing little things around the school, whether that was making posters for next week or anything like that. Um, so it wasn't overwhelming. That was just um, what my school was willing to provide uh, for me. And so just kind of working within those boundaries of, you know, I wanted to do a lot more, but that's just not what my community wanted. Mm-hmm. Um so just trying to fit everything into that school time uh, was really essential. And my community was rather small. Um, we were located near a main road, though. So there was a lot of um, individuals who weren't part of the community that would kind of come through because it was pretty much a truck's uh, loading and offloading site. Um, so the community itself was rather small where everyone knew everyone, mm-hmm. um, you know, big extended families, all of that. Um, and my school itself was probably 400 pupils, which does, which sounds pretty big here, but once you spread it out along seven, eight classes, it's uh, really not that large. Um, and I lived right across the street from my school. Um, and I had some of the, uh, P7 pupil, boy pupils on the other side of me, which was always interesting around 10, 11 p.m. at night when I really wanted sleep and they were, you know, really excited to uh, just like hang out with each other. So they cut me up sometimes. But other than that, it was uh, wonderful to have them there. Um, they did provide me with uh, multiple uh gave me many security guards um, when after a few incidents uh, they were really uh, they really had my back and I was really appreciative of that mm-hmm. and then now taking a turn in your story typically when I do these interviews it's first asking you know some of those good memories and experiences and then asking you know what is a, a more difficult memory mm-hmm. or a struggle that you had in Peace Corps and your struggle is the the reason I reached out to you because it's it's a story that happens far too often and I don't feel is ever told well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell your story. Uh, you, you only speak for yourself, not, yeah. not the community at large, but tell us a little bit about uh, your struggle in Peace Corps. Yeah, um... No, and I really appreciate that um, you said that this is just my story because I think that's uh, one of the mes- many hesitations I had um, talking about this is I really didn't want people to think that this was what everyone experiences in Peace Corps because that is not the reality either, but it is something that is unfortunately a little too common. Um, so I guess I'll kind of just start chronologically um you can kind of jump in if i'm not making sense just because all the ideas are kind of formulating in my head right now Uh, so my first um kind of experience with sexual harassment actually began began at homestay Mm -hmm. um there was a worker uh at my homestay who was sexually harassing me and this was actually an example of peace corps handling it Pretty decently. I won't say perfectly, but uh, they definitely, uh, when I expressed my concerns of, 
just the way he was responding to me, um, some of the actions he was taking. Peace Corps did talk to my host father, and um, I was out of homestay within a week when we uh, swore in. So it was kind of mitigated and wasn't an overall uh, big deal in my mind. But that being said, it um, is just another step in this story that I think is essential to start there to explain uh, things as I go further on. And so uh, after I swore in, I went to my school, the primary teacher's college, and there was about a week, week and a half uh, before school started that I just, you know, started to get to know people, know the students, know the fellow teachers, um, and kind of just, you know, get acclimated in the community because that's something that uh, Peace Corps really advocates for in terms of your safety and well-being and just um, your general success as a volunteer is really integrating uh, into your community. And so that's what I was doing. And um, after my first day of teaching, um, you know, I was really excited. First day, it went rather well. And one of my fellow teachers said, oh, like, I have a gift for you tonight. Um, I, like, grow pineapples in my backyard, and I'd love to bring you one um, after, like, my last class. I was like, great. I didn't think much of it. Um, And so that is what happened is he uh, came over uh, to my place. I opened up my door, uh, welcomed him in, accepted the pineapple, um, and he was the school priest. Uh, so he asked if, you know, he could bless my house and if we could say uh, the Our Father together. And I said, of course. Um, that was something that, a prayer that I knew um, that I believed in. And so I was like, sure, uh, we can do that. And so as I was finishing up the Our Father, um, that's when my assault occurred. Um, I wasn't expecting it just because of... Um, for me, prayer is a very intimate experience and you're a little uh, not as much on guard as I think uh, most people would be in any normal time. Um, and so, like I've said multiple times, is I froze. I retrospectively wish I didn't, but that's what happened. And um, after a while, he realized like I wasn't reciprocating Um, and he left and, um, I sat there for, I can't even, I don't even know how long. I'm sure it was not as long as I thought it was at the time. Uh, but I ended up calling one of my friends who was a PCVL. So that's just a fancy word for, uh, volunteer leader. So it's just a volunteer who, um, it's kind of an advocate between the volunteers and the rest of Peace Corps staff and explained what just happened. And um, I was in a state of shock. Um, and he was just like, Megan, you've just been sexually assaulted. Um, and like, honestly, still, those are some of the worst words I've ever had to hear. Um, so luckily, um, he was in town uh, checking all of our sites. So he was only about an hour out. Um, so him and my champion, which is again, just another fancy Peace Corps term for the, 
um, education teams, um, people who look after us. Anyways, uh, they came and got me rather quickly, but while um, I was sitting there, I was obviously terrified. Um, I didn't know if he was going to come back. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, So I actually called my mom back here in the States, and I can't even imagine what that was like for her as a mother to get that phone call, and she was at work, which is like the worst place to call um, a parent and tell them what just happened. But she was amazing and sat with me and just talked me through it. Um, I just lied on the floor for however long it took for them to come and get me. I packed up a bag. There was a knock on the door. I went right into the vehicle and they drove me um, out of the school, out of the community and... Uh, besides one time, I never went back. Um, and so I'm telling you all this because it begins to tell the rest of my struggles um, through Peace Corps is having to deal with that. And Peace Corps was very supportive in some ways and then not supportive in others. Um, they were very good about getting me out of the school. And that's something that I'm very, very thankful for. Um, They also were very good about getting me counseling right then and there. Um, But as I talked about a little bit in the CBS interview is they only allow you a certain amount Mm -hmm. of uh, times that you can see a therapist before you're uh, deemed unfit to be a volunteer. So over the course of the next six, seven months that I was there, um, it was a really difficult time. Um, I decided to press charges against the priest, which um, was my decision. Peace Corps um, did not force me to do that, but that's something uh, that I felt I needed to do. Um, And just obviously a police case of any sort, um, they really investigate, um, and there's a lot of interrogation. And so that was a very difficult process to go through, and um, especially in a culture where the woman is never right, Mm -hmm. um, it was really difficult to try to explain that what he did was wrong. And um, unfortunately, uh, my case didn't go anywhere. Um, And still to this day, um, it won't go anywhere. I signed a waiver uh, that's once I left that said, you know, I was dismissing the case. I wasn't going to uh, further my charges um, because essentially the Catholic Church wasn't doing anything. The Ugandan police wasn't doing anything. Um, And so it was kind of at a stalemate there. And so I guess what, where I went next was I thought I was okay. I went to a new school. Um, and unfortunately, there were some situations there as well. I had men coming up to my door at all hours of the night um, saying, 
absolutely atrocious things to me. Um, I was having rocks thrown at my house telling me to go back to the United States. They don't want me here. Um, and again, that's it's one of those things where I think if it, it was those situations alone, I might have been okay, but everything just kept piling on top of each other, uh, one after the other. And at a certain point, I just completely broke. I knew I needed help. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of where Peace Corps, one of the instances where uh, they didn't help me, I think, um, to the extent they should have. Uh, they told me that they really needed to have a serious conversation with me if I was fit to be a volunteer um, because I wasn't handling all of this very well. And uh, lucky for them, um, I actually uh, had a non-related uh, accident where I broke my foot. Um, so I had to come back to the United States for foot surgery. And uh, by the time I was medically cleared, it just didn't make sense uh, mm -hmm. to go back. Um, I only had, I think, four months left in my service. And I felt that that wasn't useful for my school and uh, just me myself personally. Um, and so I think because of that, they were just able to write everything that happened to me off and just pretend that, like, uh, Megan Reith Miller and her troubles just didn't exist. Um, so, I mean, I could talk for hours about just the loophole, the holes I had to jump through and just all the horrible things that Peace Corps did that, um, you know, put me through during those few months. But, um, I really, really hope that, uh, they've seen what I've been saying here or, on my various other interviews to know that uh, this stuff is still happening despite uh, what they're seeing here in Washington. Uh, once you go actually into these villages, uh, these occurrences are still happening at an exponential rate. Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for your courage in opening up and sharing your story. I can't, I can't say that enough. And you, you say that you've, you know, been going out and interviewing and, you know, letting your story be heard and you want change to happen within the Peace mm -hmm. Corps. What would you like to see change? I would like for volunteers to actually feel safe in their communities, which is one. But then two, when they actually do come forward and speak, listen to them. And I'm talking both at the community level, both at the country level, and back here at the organizational level. Um, at all three levels, there is a systemic problem of volunteers coming forward and no individuals saying, yes, we hear you, but then not doing anything about it. Um, I have come forward. I have been talking about this. And Peace Corps still 
has not approached me. And I'm very open to talking to them about what they can do or what um, I think they should do. I mean, I don't have all those answers, but I'm not sure if they want to change it because for them, I don't think they think it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that there's not individuals in the organization uh, that don't see a problem because I think that's something um, at all levels I've seen amazing support from all Peace Corps different staff members, but there are still gaps, as with any organization. Uh, Peace Corps does have some things that they need to work on. So I think the first step is just them acknowledging that there is still a problem. Um, I understand that they're not going to be able to fix it uh, in the next year, the next two years even, Uh, but just acknowledging that Yes, we send these volunteers out and we really can't guarantee their safety from all of this. I think that's something that they need to be one held accountable for, but then also to just be aware of that they need to step it up. Um, Because if not, this is going to be damaging and I don't want it to be damaging. I want Peace Corps to actually do something about this. Um, I want this to kind of be a kick in the butt for them to, you know, really get them to motivate themselves, to, you know, create new policies, really educate uh, host country nationals, really just go into these communities and make sure and vet them before they put a volunteer there. Um, Because that's something they didn't do for me. And I believe that my situation wouldn't have happened if they would have taken those precautions. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, I think Peace Corps is a, is aware that it's an issue. They've been forced to to recognize it with, you know, the Inspector General's report. Do you think that there's a sense of writing it off? because of cultural reasons within the countries that we're serving, that it's almost, yes, it happens, but to prevent it, we would have to change the mindset and the culture of the people there. Because as you said, you were serving in a community where the fault was on you, that Mm -hmm. the man could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my response to that would be, I understand that it is a community and cultural issue. And it's not one Um, that I agree with. Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. and and that's the thing is we could have, I think, many discussions about that, but that is the reality um, right now and especially in my experience. But then that's something that Peace Corps should really look at because right now they are encouraging these communities that it is okay that, you know what, you will sexually assault one of our volunteers, but next cycle, we'll give you another volunteer. Mm -hmm. So that's really not changing the culture. And I understand you can't change an entire country's culture, but you can change a community's culture. You could send someone to that community and explain, this is why you're not getting a volunteer anymore. Mm -hmm. Or if you do get a volunteer, these are the steps that we're doing to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Um, Honestly, I think that's kind of 
a cop-out excuse mm-hmm. on Peace Corps' part. Um, you know, we all volunteers go out and serve because they believe in Peace Corps' mission. And by Peace Corps not protecting them, that's stopping the mission from occurring. And so I think, I think it's actually really aggravating when Peace Corps does uh, say that because most of the people who are saying this were volunteers themselves. And you know that you can change a culture slowly. We're not, again, we're not going to change the entire country. But if we keep sending volunteers over and over again, and these kinds of incidences keep occurring, we're not doing our job then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I, again, I don't have all the answers, but before they send out volunteers, I think Peace Corps really needs to look at where they're sending them and if that's actually a good fit for us or not. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me uh, from your your CBS interview is that you said you would do Peace Corps again, you know, if Peace Corps changed its policies and did more to ensure Mm -hmm. your safety and security as a volunteer that you would do it again. I mean, you were someone who wanted to do Peace Corps since kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's why I was so hesitant about coming forward and talking about this is because I really do believe in Peace Corps' mission. Um, Like you said, I've wanted to do it ever since I was a little kid, and I believe in the work of my fellow volunteers. Even still, looking on Facebook, I get so excited seeing um, someone put in like a water tap or doing a ROMS project for themselves at their school. Um, that makes me really excited. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think Peace Corps <laughs> would probably take me back at this point. I'm sure I'm probably on some sort of blacklist or something of that nature. Um, but I, I don't want to ru- rule it out is I wanted to go and be a Peace Corps volunteer for two years. And, uh, that last year was taken away from me mm-hmm. for various reasons. And um, I'm not signing up right now. I'm not filling out an application or anything at this moment. But again, I really do believe in the work of the volunteers and the organization's mission. So if they could just figure it out, quite honestly, then yes, I would go back and I'd serve in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And another question that I ask people is, what did you learn from your service? Mm-hmm. And I imagine you learned a lot. Yes. Um, yeah, that question, I could think of a lot of things uh, that I learned. But the biggest one that I think I experienced was just the sense of perspective and changing one's perspective um i think at least i when i left for uganda you know i went in going with with the mentality of i'm helping people and look at me american 
Ugandans. I'm helping. Uh, and that's actually not what really happened when I served there is they, uh, th my community members gave me so much more in return. And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of volunteers uh, can relate to is so many of us here in the United States feel sorry for Ugandans or um, anyone in a developing country. Um, but once I changed my perspective and realized that Ugandans have a lot of things that I don't have, um, they're so much more family-oriented. Uh, they have these big, wonderful families, and an eighth cousin four times removed is still treated like their brother, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And even with all the things that happened to me in Peace Corps, um, as horrible as they were at the time, um, you know, I had to change my perspective and say there's a reason it happened. Um, I may not, may not have seen it at the time, and I'm still sometimes trying to see it now. Uh, but it's there. Um, there's a reason everything. There's a reason everything happens the way it does. And if I've learned anything else from the Ugandans, it's like just trust in whoever your higher power is, or in whatever you choose to believe, and uh, that's what will get you through everything. And I think that's, um, at least in my case, uh, what worked for me. And before we, we we close out this interview, is there anything else that you would like to share? I have a listenership of people thinking about the Peace Corps, mm -hmm. volunteers currently serving in their communities now, and returned Peace Corps volunteers. Yeah. What would you like to tell them? So I'll say two things. Is One, um, the reason I was very hesitant um, to come forward with this is I didn't want to perpetuate that story of that this happens in Uganda or Africa. And really, um, you know, it's a back to that. It's a cultural issue. Um, because if we've seen one thing over the past, like six months or so is it happens in the United States too. It happens everywhere. Um, and so that's something that I think is imperative for people to know is, my sexual assault didn't happen because I was in a remote village. It didn't happen because I joined Peace Corps. It happened because there are certain individuals in this world who take advantage of their power. And the second thing I would say to people is if someone comes forward for this story with a story like this, listen. But then after you listen, do something about it. I am very thankful for everyone who has approached me, um, you know, with their thoughts and their prayers um, about me trying to move past this. But what, are, what happened to me is in the past, but we can do something to prevent it in the future. So if that means calling your legislator, checking up on a friend that you knew experience sexual assault as well or just calling someone out at a bar at work that their behavior is inappropriate that's a massive impact that we can all have um 
And so to everyone who is considering applying for the Peace Corps, um, this isn't something that happens to everyone in Peace Corps. And it's something that shouldn't deter you from joining. It's just something to be aware of. And the reason I say that is you can go into any workplace right now. You can go into any bar uh, and have the same exact situation occur. So I don't think that should be something that deters you away from an amazing organization that gives you the opportunity to expand your worldview and really, again, puts into perspective so many things in life. Um, And so with that, I would just say, if you're considering joining Peace Corps, talk to the many, many volunteers that have served. Uh, Don't just rely on the Peace Corps website. And then, just for everyone listening, believe the survivors that have come forward with their story. Uh, Because not everyone does. And that is one, hurtful, but then two, it just makes the problem more difficult and it slows down progress. And so if we all could just, you know, have each other's backs, as cliche as that sounds, I really do think we could change this around for the better. Well, thank you, Megan, for for sharing that with us and and giving us uh, the charge to do something about it. And I think each of us can and should. From the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to help share your story, Uh, your openness, your rawness, and just allowing me to understand a little bit better of what you went through. Thank you. No, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, if you want to stay better connected with me and the My Peace Corps Story podcast, head on over to MyPeaceCoreStory.com. And make sure you subscribe to the show and continue to listen to the unique stories of volunteers. While they're not all positive, they're all special and important. Every volunteer has a story. What's yours?